This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to Beyond the Arc. My name is Kevin O'Connor. We've got a loaded show with some playoff analysis and my conversation with the ringers, Chris Ryan, to talk about the Sixers, teams that could blow it up, and the next candidates for most improved player. Before that, here's my longtime co-host from the mismatch to talk about game four of the Lakers-Grizzlies series, Chris Vernon. All right, Verno. I have some quick hit questions for you based on Tuesday's game fours. Before we get to Miami's 119-114 win over Milwaukee to take a 3-1 lead, let's discuss the Lakers taking their own 3-1 lead over your Memphis Grizzlies in an epic overtime win. This was a wild one. LeBron was gassed all game long, scored with 47 seconds left in the third quarter, then not again until .8 remaining in the fourth quarter to tie the game. Then he had a huge driving layup at the start of overtime. He hit the, over, the layup at the end of overtime, past Dylan Brooks to essentially clinch the win. How angry are you that Dylan Brooks poked the bear? Um, I'm not I'm not mad that Dylan Brooks poked the bear after the game. I'm mad that they let him drive right on the last play of the game. You know, they had to get one stop to win the game. They're up by two. You got less than 10 seconds left on the clock. You know what's coming. They've got Tillman out on him and they let him drive right, and he had the absolute perfect layup. I mean, sometimes you got to just tip your cap. He, you know, it, it's a mistake to let him drive right to his dominant hand, but he threw that thing up so high off the glass that Jaron Jackson couldn't get to it. I mean, it's a great play. You know, in the words of uh, DeMar DeRozan, they have LeBron James and we don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it did feel like tonight. I mean, LeBron, yeah. he's not scoring in the same way in some ways showing his age, but he goes 20-20. He's taking charges. He stepped up in the ways that he need to. The Grizzlies, though, you know, Jaws doing everything he can considering his hand injury. But Desmond Bain was awesome tonight as a secondary scorer behind Ja. But overall, the Grizzlies shot only 9 of 42 from three. A ton of just open looks and opportunities. They were 23rd in three-point percentage this entire regular season. Have the Grizzly, have, have the Lakers exposed some of the limitations of that Grizzly supporting cast in this series? 
Well, for sure. It's what always happens when you get to the playoffs, right? Likewise, on on their side, there are things that have been exposed. But the nine for 42, I mean, you you, you run your offense to try to get to the rim. They, they The Grizzlies run your typical lay it up, tray it up offense. It's what you're trying to generate is good open looks from three. And they generated them all night. I When I'm really going to vomit is when I look at the shot quality report. Like, what would these guys typically hit on the shots that they were able to generate in the game? Even at halftime, I got the shot quality report, and they, were, they, they should have won the first half by 10 points. They lost the first half by two points. And that was only because they had a late run at the, at the end of the first half. But... They got great open looks all night long and couldn't convert on them. And so I think that for sure the Lakers defense has been very good, but the Grizzlies have gotten a bunch of open threes. That's what these teams play for in the NBA now. And you just can't, you can't shoot 21%. Even if the Grizzlies shoot 30%, this is a walk, it's a walkover, (laughs) you know, and that's not some great percentage. They just could not find the basket. And they had their best players. You know, Bain, for as great as he has been uh, tonight, just couldn't find it from three. And it's been that way all series long. And so it's like, well, have they exposed Desmond Bain? I mean, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the world. And he just has not been able to make them through four games of the series. And that also... Happened tonight. I mean, I think he ended up taking 12, 12 or 13, you know, and just not knocking down nearly his percentage. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they, they look, they had a two-point lead with less than 10 seconds to go. You've got you to get one stop to win the game. And they couldn't let's do move on. Let's move on to the Heat defeating the Bucks, Moving up 3-1, Giannis returns, and he plays pretty well. Bucks lead by 13 points in the fourth quarter. I'm thinking that they're going to advance, you know, they're going to tie it up and just win the series. And then the Bucks go cold. Deanna stops getting touches. The Heat go on a run. Coach Bud doesn't call a timeout. Jimmy Butler ends up with 56 points on 28 shots. Just an unbelievably efficient night on a high volume. It, is there any player, we've talked about it all year long in the mismatch, Chris. Is there any player that takes a bigger leap from the regular season to the playoffs of Jimmy Butler. No, I mean, we talk about this all year long. If we're, if you and I are just going to the park and we're going to draft for, we line them all up on the wall. We say, all right, we're going to draft for the regular season. And then we line them up all the wall. We say, we're going to draft for the playoffs. Nobody's draft position changes more than Jimmy Butler's. And that's not to say he's not an amazing regular season player. Cause he he's is great. He's an all-star, but he is the best player in the world when it comes to the playoffs more often than not. <laughs> it's just a different level. That was one of the most unbelievable, like inspiring performances. That was just bonafide alpha. He's screaming. He's, you know, swinging on the rim on the breakaway dunk after they get the steal. And then the two pull-up threes. Because that's not even his game. That's just go win it. And just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Jimmy Butler is, you know, we talk about when it comes to playoff time, do you have the best player in the game? 
And when you've got him, you always have a chance to have the best player in the game, even in a game that features Giannis Antetokounmpo. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, Chris, Larry Martin has been named the NBA's most improved player of the year from last year with the Cavs averaging 14.8 points to 26 and 9 this year with the Jazz. I didn't like the Lowry pick. I think we were sitting on the couch together when the Bulls <laughs> took him years ago. Yeah. Gave it an F plus for the Bulls. I could not have seen this coming, uh, turning into the player that there's he has. There's still hope for Killian, though. That's there, what it's got to tell you, There's right? still hope for Killian. He yeah. can play defense. He can pass. He just can't score at all. But like with Lowry, who knows? He's become an elite efficiency scorer, all-star, maybe all-NBA. For me, Chris, like this is – I thought he'd be a solid player, and he was a solid player his first five years. But to go from this to what he is now, this is unthinkable. So, Laurie is a really interesting case study, as is Mikael Bridges, in how many guys out there in the NBA right now are role players who are just usage rate away from being All-Stars. And the Bridges thing has just been incredible. Like a third, fourth offensive option on the Suns, a two-way player who can defend the best player on the other team, but really happy with his 9, 11 shots a game, to now, are you Kevin Durant? (laughs) You know, like, is that what just happened? Did you trade old Kevin Durant for young Kevin Durant? And how many... How many guys are out there like this? I mean, that's what they always say about the the difference between talent from the third best guy on a team and the 12th best guy on a team is not that much. You know, like that. Yeah, the, yeah. There's really not that much of, a, of room between some of these guys. Every player is good. In yeah, the, NBA. the elite yes. guys are the yeah. elite guys for a reason. And even watching, you watch the Suns, Booker and Durant are the only guys scoring for that team. They have to work so hard to get those points, and they do it, right? Bridges clearly is not at the point where he's like, I can beat the Sixers single-handedly, you know? But I could see a point where he gets that good, and if he's treated like, hey, what do we do to, like, maximize Mikhail? How many guys out there are, like, Mikhail's in waiting? That's the most interesting part of the most improved conversation to me. And I think with Bridges, like, he's one of those guys. Like, Lowry and Bridges, their development is different in the sense that Lowry, Lowry, it happens so suddenly. Like this one year in Utah, it was like a convergence of new role, new opportunity, in addition to just he improved. He yes. got better as a consistent shooter, better athletically, better as a defender. Whereas Bridges, it was like steady year by year. And like you could see him improving. Oh, he's become a good three-point shooter off the catch. Oh, he's getting pretty good at pull-up jumpers. Does Wonder- he have a bag? Right? Yeah. And, right. that, and now yeah. it's the handle. And then like his last month with Phoenix, it took Monty Williams with Devin Booker out back in December a little while to get Bridges the touches he that he deserved. He had a deserved. couple like, oh, it's, did yes. Bridges score 26 yeah. tonight? Yeah. yeah. He was, and then, like, then it was like, oh, wait a minute. He's averaging 25 three weeks in a row now. And then he gets traded to the Nets. It's been 26 points to end the season over 27 games with Brooklyn. He, you know, he up and down against Philly facing, you know, a prepared game plan yeah. and defense. We're but, just like, we're going to take Bridges out of this and then like see what yeah. you can do otherwise. But but it feels like if you're thinking about like who's going to be the most improved player in 2024, Bridges 
has to be the number one candidate. Yeah, but if he improves on this, he's going to be like all in the first team. He's already one of the best defenders in the league. I mean, if he's improved from this season, what are we talking about here? I mean, that's the funny thing about this award is that sometimes it's like, it, like Shea is improved, yeah. but like he has improved into being one of the eight best players yes. in the league. Whereas he was great last yeah. year still. Yeah, I think that, I'm really curious though. What, do, do, if I if I say who's the next Bridges out there, is there anybody that jumps to mind? Somebody who's sort of not languishing, but like a little bit stunted by their role on their team. So before you came on, we looked at Trey Murphy, uh-huh. DeAndre Hunter, and Markel Fultz. I think of those three, like Hunter, I'm the most iffy on. Fultz, we'll see with the jumper, and then with Trey Murphy though, he's the guy that I think I'd answer with here because he's. Solid defensively. He's not like all world like Bridges. Mm -hmm. He's solid defensively. He's long. He's versatile. He can shoot 40 plus percent from three off of like screens, movement actions. He can pull up a bit too. He can attack the basket. He can be used as a lob finisher off of set plays in the half court. Like he just feels like the guy who already has exceeded expectations with the Pelicans. Yeah. Now it's like he's stuck behind Brandon Ingram and theoretically behind Zion Williamson. You know, CJ McCollum gets all his touches, so there's not a lot of you know on ball opportunity. But with yeah. Trey Murphy, he's the guy that I think about where it's like, huh, if he does get those chances someday, could he be the one to, to take that major leap? Yeah, I was thinking about Terrence Mann, you I know, like, I like Terrence Mann, who's That's like often in the <laughs> what five guards is Ty, Ty Lue playing tonight kind of mix <laughs> yeah, where yeah. it's like he gets th- 30 minutes one night and 11 minutes another night, and he seems like a guy who with his size and his ability to do kind of three levels of work on the off offense. Like I, I would love to see him on his own team. This isn't funny, but I've always thought that what Ben Simmons needs is like a hard reset on his career and to go somewhere like a Utah where there's going to be a lot less scrutiny on him from a night to night basis. I think we're kind of running out of those places in mm. the NBA because it's become such a national league and people pay attention to so many different teams that I don't know where Ben could go let's say if he's quote unquote healthy to kind of have his own team. Like there's just really not a lot of places out there. And and he's not enough of a box office draw for somebody to be like, sure, I'll pay 40 million for the luxury of having this guy. And that money's a tough part. It's like yeah. a San Antonio might want to say yes. A Houston might want to say yes, except for the fact he's making all that money. Yeah. So, but he's somebody who's like kind of been I, at this point with Brooklyn, especially with the super team version of it was like, what do we do with this guy? Like, where does he go and what does he play? But yeah, like I think Terrence Mann would be my Mikhail Bridges person. How so, four years ago, if I asked you, you know, hey Chris, is there any chance of Markel Fultz someday being better than Ben Simmons? You probably would have clearly said no, zero percent chance. And yet here we are yeah. with Fultz being the better player. I mean, I was like, I, 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 there were there was a time when I was like, are we sure this shouldn't be Simmons's team instead of Embiid's mm. because it would w- work better with the modern NBA to space everybody around a playmaker like Simmons rather than pounding it down low and having Embiid have to pass out of doubles and stuff. I think the one other guy that I want to mention that has a chance of being like that next surprise, you know, solid to, oh, wait, is this guy an all-star type of player is P.J. Washington with the Hornets. I was looking up his numbers on Second Spectrum, and he is, along with Larry Markkinen, one of four players this past season who logged over 900 pick-and-roll possessions as a screener and over 100 as a ball handler. Jokic, 
Julius Randle, Lowry Markin, and P.J. Washington are those four players. And with P.J. Washington over the last month, we saw him have like 30-plus point games, 40-plus point games. He's shown the flashes yeah. as a shooter, as a handler. He's a versatile defender. So like when you think about like Lowry changes teams into a brand no, new role, that's a factor in his success to become the most improved player. P.J. Washington, re- restricted free agent this offseason. I wonder will there be a team that says, oh, we can plug him into – this situation with this environment and this role and watch him blossom into something else. Yeah. You know, and a lot of these guys, I think Kuzma was a good example of somebody who changed scene, like changed settings and, and got a lot better when he became more of a focal point. A lot of these guys are going to be at crossroads where they have to decide, do I want to be on a competitor or do I want to be somewhere where I get featured, you know, and bridges didn't have that choice, but is clearly making the best of the opportunity. There's another world where Bridges could be like, I know I'm going to get traded again. I'm just going to try and coast through this season without getting hurt. Get my, get my 15 and 6 a night and hope I get traded to Golden State or Philly or wherever next season. Chris, we'll be back after the break talking about your Sixers. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. back Chris Ryan here to talk about your beloved Philadelphia 76ers how are you feeling you're the only team to advance so far potentially the Celtics up next yeah first to the wire to get to the second round definitely the team most in need of rest I don't know if the time in between beating the Nets in game four and the first game of what would probably be the Celtics series is going to be enough time to heal all our wounds but it definitely is coming in needed with Embiid with this knee and that last performance in game three against the Nets and Harden's mystery ghost Achilles injury that Mm. he's apparently had for months. It's been a tough, tough little road here because it's like, I think for most Sixers, it's just Groundhog Day. It's like, here we are again, our top two players, one of them isn't healthy or both of them aren't healthy. And we're just praying 
not to get nuked by the Celtics. It does feel like that in the sense that, you know, in past years it's been with Jimmy Butler. What will he do? Yeah. What's going to happen there? Ben Simmons against the Hawks, he implodes there. It's like, what's going to happen moving forward with this team? And now we have all these teams down 3-1. You get the Hawks with Trey Young, Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George, uh-huh. the Wolves, what will they do with Gobert and Towns with that moving forward with the games on Tuesday night? And yet you got Woj reporting how all throughout the year, the Sixers are the team with the most at stake. <laughs> it's true. With Joel Embiid and James Harden with Houston looming. It, it's, it seems like they just can't escape this sense of unknown moving forward. There's, no, there's never anything that feels constant with it's them. so interesting because this was a team that was sort of built piece by piece with these lottery picks. And even though they swung and missed on several lottery picks, including famously Markel Fultz at number one, They had Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and they were building out that team kind of patiently and slowly. Part of the process was always this idea that you would have the flexibility and the capital to go after superstars when they got on the market. So I loved the Jimmy deal. He was a great sixer. But the problem is is that when you get into that that market for whatever superstar has got, you know, is the discontent superstar of the month. I just feel like it made the window incredibly small. And for as much as I've enjoyed the Sixer season, which is somewhat, and for as much as Doc has impressed me and as, from, as much as Harden's honestly been like really good. The playmaking is undeniably un- impressive. It's be- best, best playmaking guard we've had since Iverson, easily. I just do feel like this is like, it's it's one and done for this team. Whether or not Harden goes, it just feels like he's not getting any younger. He's not getting any more athletic. This team will look different next year, no matter what. And what if the best version of any Sixers team we can come up with, Joel Embiid, is still third, third in the Eastern Conference? It's almost like it kind of reminds me of some of those like Pacers teams that would just be like, we thought we had it. We had the perfect five-man lineup. It was built to beat LeBron in the Heat. and just never did it. Whether it was Danny Granger or Paul George, Roy Hibbert. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were close, yeah. very close. I mean, they went up to the brink. It's just it was never enough to get over those. And I think the teams. NBA history is littered with teams like that, where it's like, oh, man, in any other era, we would have had it. But it, we it, just ran into this Celtics team or that Bucks team. I mean, that that's true. And yet, like, those Pacers teams and some of those other teams in league history, even, like, the Jazz of the 90s mm-hmm. going as the Bulls and Michael Jordan – Joel Embiid continues to get better every single year, and yet they always, in some form or another, seem to hit this wall. Now you get Embiid banged up, hard in dealing with the Achilles injury, like you said, and then if you face Boston this coming series, Mm -hmm. assuming they do get by Miami, I don't like Philly's chances at all in that series. Yeah, I think that most of those Boston games this season between Philly and Boston were pretty close. They were. So, but now the injuries factor. The in. injuries factor in, and I think that when you start talking about Embiid and Harden playing forty minutes a game, like that's a real concern. You know, if Embiid is fifty-fifty according to Doc for the start of the Celtics series, it's just not. That's just not like really like a recipe for success. It doesn't sound like that's happening with Tatum and Brown, you know. And so you this playoffs has really been a total war of attrition. Like there's just no way that we thought Miami would be where they are. There's no way that we thought, you know, the Knicks would be where they are. We, you know, all, so many of these series are being dictated by the health of the opposing team, and it's just been it's just been this story the last three or four years of the Sixers. I mean, Embiid has never really been healthy in the playoffs. I mean, that that's the unfortunate thing about these playoffs so far. Embiid, 
hard and banged up. We just got the news on Monday that De'Aaron Fox broke a finger in his shooting hand, and he's doubtful. I saw that play, and he was like, he was really shaking his hand, and I was it. It's always one of those things where like the hand injuries, unless it's like Tyler Hero, and he's like, I just broke my hand. Those guys are always like, uh, something's wrong, but I'm not really going to yeah. come out of the game. And then after the fact, I mean, Morant obviously went out of the game when he blew up his hand, but you know, he came back and his handles really iffy. It's yeah, he had some, I mean, he scored, you know, 40 plus yeah. in his return against, but he had some real sloppy, you know, turnovers with that half, hand. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we got Morant missing time. Giannis, he's returning for game four, uh, but he's dealing with a lower back injury. It's also work. a breaking case of emergency game. They kind of yes, need him back. They, they need him. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you got Hero, you mentioned him, Kawhi, Leonard, and Paul George, both uh-huh. missing time. Like, Chris, all year long, it's about load management, you know, staying healthy for the playoffs. What is the real point of load management when we're entering the postseason and all these stars are, you know, going out within two, three games? And I know that, like, I definitely sound like an NBA fan in his mid-40s, but I, I, I look on with a lot of interest at the Knicks, at Julius Randle playing 77 games, obviously being hurt, but gutting it out and giving the Knicks, like, every single thing he has. And I'm like, I mean, I don't want anything obviously bad to happen to any of these guys health-wise, but maybe that's better. Like, maybe that's more galvanizing and inspiring to see him just be like, I'm playing on one leg, but I'm going to give you what I got tonight because it's the garden and we're here and we've got a real chance against the Cavs. I don't know that Kawhi ever is like, if I could play, I, you know, if I could play, I, I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think Kawhi is making those decisions, but it does like, when you look at Ty Lue and you're like, he's like, it's pretty deflating. You know what I mean? He said that he was like, it's pretty deflating to get that news and find out you've basically engineered this entire season to get to a point where Kawhi and PG are going to be healthy in this postseason. I can't tell you how many Clippers games I went to watching those two dudes in street clothes, like staring at the jumbotron or like staring off into space while the timeouts being held on the Clippers bench. It's a long season and not getting a lot of contributions. And it's like, I think it actually does things to the relationship between the team and the fans. Like those Knicks fans are obsessed with that team. And part of it is because I think because they've gotten to watch those guys 60, 75 games. And I think it does kind of teach bad habits to the team and it teaches bad habits to the fan base and it teaches bad habits to the NBA audience. And if you are going to get here and it's just about stepping on a guy's foot or landing on your hand wrong or any other freak thing that could happen, Nick Claxton getting you in the back and the knee. Then I don't know, man. Maybe maybe guys should play more. What do you think? I know. I agree, Chris. And I mean, I think the NBA absolutely thinks so too. I mean, they installed the sixty-five game minimum yeah. with the tw- minimum twenty minutes to have it count towards award voting. They that's clearly like a baby step for them to at least yeah. say, "Hey, here's your incentive to play. You're able to make more money with your next contract." But is that enough for the teams and their medical staffs to say, "Hey"? You know, you should be playing these back-to-backs. Will the players then th- then gain more power in these decisions? Will they want to? I, I don't know. Because right now, the regular season, for so, off- so often, it just feels like, you know, if you're a fan paying hundreds of dollars to go and bring your kids, you don't know you're actually going to see any of these stars, especially if you're a Clippers fan. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's worth noting that let's just take the time probably in the time that we've known each other. Right. Like you can go back to playoffs since 2015, but way before then, even 2012, 13, that I remember covering where it's like a postseason is basically defined by an injury. A Tony Parker calf, a Serge Ibaka injury, uh, a Kawhi injury against Golden State, the Zaza Pachulia thing when he was on Spurs. 
Clay Thompson getting injured, like the NBA history is dictated by these little things that happen with injuries that you probably see it in the moment. You're like, oh no, it's really too bad. But then you're like, man, that changed the Warriors. Sometimes the healthiest team is, is exactly. the team that wins. It's it. really about that. And I was really struck watching game two of Clippers Suns the other week because I was watching Durant and Kawhi go one on one. And I'm like, this just doesn't happen enough in the mm-hmm. NBA. This they don't have enough Mahomes Allen moments. Mahomes burrow moments where it's like two guys peak condition like absolutely going at each other and like throwing the team on their backs and I wish it did man I just wish there were more like rivalries and especially like individual performances where you're just like I can't believe what I'm witnessing and instead it seems more like oh that's cool like they were able to make things work with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. <laughs> or, or like Embiid sitting out the Jokic game yeah. and vice versa. I mean, it, yeah. it, it goes both ways where it's like, well, you have these big marquee matchups over the course of the season that That's should feel one. massive. Yeah. They, those are the games that should build rivalry and, and create importance for fans. It's just they don't happen nearly enough. Yeah, yeah. and maybe if we went back to the 80s, we'd find out there were far ma- less Magic Bird games than we kind of sure. imagine and, and or Pistons-Jordan games or whatever, but – it does feel like we're particularly living through a time where we were told all regular season, this is the way that things need to be so that guys are healthy for the playoffs. And then you have basically a team and a half of all the NBA players go out in the first round. Well, and I mean, you mentioned injuries dictating results in the playoffs, and now the Warriors are uh, potentially going to have to go against either a Kings team without Fox or a Kings team with a limited Fox. Yes. And he's been the hardest guy for them to defend. Yes. And now you, you're going to be feeling really good if you're a Golden State fan. Now, if they don't have really the head of their offense, in my opinion, and the Aaron Fox yeah, bonus is important. The Lakers but... were a punchline for three quarters yeah. of the season. And now they're going to beat the Grizzlies, who we thought leading up until like the All-Star break were like, it's going to be these guys versus who in the finals. You know I mean? It's like, it's absolutely wild just how things can change. It, it can happen very fast in the NBA. That's a good thing and a bad thing. Do you think it'll be a good thing going forward for Embiid to get this MVP thing out of his out of the way? Embiid definitely pushes pretty hard throughout the season. He gets his big games all season long. They rest him when they need to. He gets injured when he does. But for the most part, I think the last couple of years, he's definitely one of the MVP. Oh, he wants it bad. <laughs> and he's going to probably get it this year. Do you think now that he's gotten it, we could see more of like a 57 game season from him next season. I think perhaps you'll see more load managing. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think with Embiid, he's not going to feel satisfied from this. It's going to be like with Kevin Durant winning two finals with the Warriors. He's like, Oh, this is it. Yeah. I, Oh, that's all. And it's also KD when they're at like, Oh, how are you feeling about ramping up in minutes? He's like, I want to play 48. Yeah. If I could play 48, if Monty would let me, I would play 48. Well, minutes. What I would be nervous about is like Embiid, he's been, you know, like Sixers fans yeah. love love Joel Embiid, and I mean, like you see him, you know, playing with the crowd. It's an amazing match. What I would fear as a Sixers fan is he wins this MVP, and then Harden, who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, Houston is definitely a real threat. It's going to depend on what else the Rockets can do if they actually want Harden to go there. Um, but if they were to lose Harden, or even if they keep him at a significant dollar, you know, amount. It feels like for Philadelphia, they definitely are third best right now in the East. Yeah, I just don't know what the step forward is, you know, around Joel Embiid and like what if, like if they do lose second round to the Celtics, the, what what does that mean for Doc Rivers? Will Daryl Morey be podcasting for the Ringer next year? <laughs> and like, what would that mean for Embiid and what he desires? Because he, if he's got his MVP in Philly, if he feels like he's done everything possible with the Sixers, yeah, is he the guy that 
teams around the league are just waiting for to say, you know what? I think that's I've still done a couple of years here. away. You think I think so? that's still a couple two years to three away. years away. Yeah, and 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 let's just play devil's advocate. If the Sixers hadn't completely sleptwalked through the first month of the season, they actually might be the second sure. or first seed in the Eastern Conference because they were pretty much the best team after Christmas. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't I don't know. Like I I really would have liked a, a better start to the season. I think Embiid is here in Philly for another two seasons. I don't know what's going to happen with Harden, you know, and I, I don't know how Embiid's going to react to being like a yet again, I have to start over with a guy because Embiid actually is a chemistry player and is often talked about the Seth Curry's and JJ Reddick's and liking having like a maxi now. Yeah. And having a telepathy with a guy doing dribble handoffs and knowing where he's going to be and knowing where, what, you know, he's going to hit that shot when I pass out of the double and he's got that with Harden right now. And it'll be tough if he has to restart it with a Beal or wherever. I would be so disappointed if Harden left. Those guys, like you said, he's the best playmaker since Iverson that they've had. It works with Joel Embiid. They've built on what they had last year. And it can only continue to grow, especially as Tyrese Maxey is you know, emerging into whatever he's going to be. He yeah. looks like a potential all-star someday. And I wonder whether or not if Harden were to leave and you take cumulatively the breakup of that Nets super team and what the Nets kind of got out of that – I wonder if it starts to change team building practices throughout the league and whether te- teams are like, do we really want to sacrifice everything for the next 10 years for these two guys? Like the Clippers guy? with yeah. Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. They, gave, mean, they, they did give up a guy that who know who could have known Shea Gildas Alexander would be a very clear all NBA yeah, guy. But you, even like watching that Clippers team, you know, the heart and soul of that Clippers team is, is it's Westbrook. Yeah. Which is insane to say because he was there since but February. He's like actually a star. Like he is a guy who plays to the crowd. He's a guy who understands moments. Like I'm not defending Westbrook as like a he, he's definitely like a really flawed player and has had a really rough couple of years. But if you watch him in live in that in that arena, that's who the fans are keying off. He's got heart. Yeah, he does. And Kawhi is, doesn't say anything. He doesn't talk to anybody. Paul George keeps to himself. Those guys aren't, you know, faces of the franchise yeah. in the traditional sense. Yeah. So they're opening a new stadium soon. They're trying to compete with the Lakers for L.A. relevance, if not supremacy. I don't know if you can really do it when it's like kind of like a hired gun in town for a couple mm. of years. Well, we'll find out what happens in that series. It does not look good for the Clippers yeah. right now, Chris. Thank you for joining me on the Arc today. You got it. Thank you so much for watching this week's episode of Beyond the Arc. We'll be back next week on FanDuel TV.